Welcome to our podcast exploring uh, a number of things around uh, uh, large language models, chat GPT, generative AI, a whole host of TLAs that we're going to get into. I'm Andy Murray, the Executive Director of the Major Projects Association, uh, and today I'm joined uh, by Lawrence Rowland. Uh, welcome, Lawrence. Hi, Andy. Nice to speak to you. Lawrence, we know each other from the hackathons and uh, various other times we've bumped into each other, but I've been sort of caught by your uh, LinkedIn activities over the past, you know, three or four months, possibly a little bit further back than that, but but you've really upped the ante in the last uh, few months. Uh, and uh, your LinkedIn profile, Lawrence, I'll, I'll just do an introduction for you and then perhaps I'll offer you a chance to, to uh, embellish it a bit further. But your LinkedIn profile says sharing one new GPT for projects every week. And actually, I think you're over delivering on that because I suspect you do two or three a week in uh, in most weeks. Um, but there's at least one that you do. But, but Lawrence, you describe yourself as a project professional but with an appetite for, for data and data analytics. And you've been exploring the world of, of AI on behalf of the profession for the past few years. Is that right? That, that's exactly right, Andy. Yeah. So I, I come from an initially engineering projects background, uh, large capital projects. Uh, and then sort of the last sort of 10, 15 years, I moved into projects and portfolio management as a function. And then the last five years, I basically described myself as an enthusiastic amateur, if you like. Uh, in data analytics and AI, because basically it's a lot easier than sort of 20 years ago when I when I tried and failed at that. So, and there's just so much to explore, uh, but you can go a long way even as an amateur with it. Um, and I, I think that's an important point that that people are missing at the moment. Yeah. So I'm going to describe you as our sort of uh, data analytics AI explorer on on behalf <laughs> of the, uh, the the project's profession. So let's get in. So I want to sort of demystify. Uh, some of these things to start off with, or rather, I'm going to start slow and <laughs> basic, uh, and then we can sort of progress onto the onto the heavier aspects of uh, of this topic later. So, I kicked off with all the you know the TLAs, um, but let's just get a handle on those. So, I use the term large language models. ChatGPT is a large language model, um, and that's a part of a broader umbrella of what we call generative AI, meaning that it produces output or content. Um, is that a reasonable, in my lay terms, is that, a, is that an okay description about what we're going to talk about? Uh, absolutely, that's perfect. And I think for me, the, 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 single, the simple one-liner on, on LLMs or large language models, of which cheap chat GPT is, is, if you like, the sort of cardinal example at the moment, is just to think that you can uh, instruct and query uh, now with natural language. Uh, and, and that's, I think that's the main thing to take away from that. And that's very new and very exciting because that's what we use all the time to, to communicate with, with each other. And now you can do that with, if you like, a, a computer. Yeah, and you think about it in, in the early days, earlier days of computing, we had to be very precise with our command prompts. Um, and even with sort of browsers, you know, we, we don't ask questions necessarily in natural English. We think about the keywords that we want to use and and, and we use plus and ands and, and so on to, to help us with that. So, so there's this natural language uh, ability to use it, which I think has stepped up um, its, its usefulness. But when I've been playing with it, it's not just the fact that it's a single question that we might ask or instruction uh, using natural language, but it remembers what we've asked of it. So if we ask follow-up questions 
uh, or supplementary questions, we get answers that are built upon the conversation like you and I are doing now. Um, yeah, that, that's exactly exactly right. So it's natural language, um, but natural language is a dialogue as if you like a turn taking conversation. Uh, bang on. Yeah. So your let, let's dive into your um, experiments then or your exploration, these uh, posts once per week. So I've been looking at a few of them. And um, if, if we just start off with although we use a natural language, there's been some additions to chat GPT uh, and it allows you to put, for example, drawings or, or images in. Uh, and then the output from that would be perhaps a description of what's in the image or drawings. Is that right? Yeah, and I think it's even more powerful than that. Um, and I think that the sort of main way to capture that is as a, as a capability, if you like, is they talk about sort of multimodal or multimodality here. So it started with text or language as a modality, and it already could do that across multiple languages. Um, and it could also do that across multiple sort of, if you like, programming languages as well as, as, uh, as languages. But now uh, it's doing images. So in other words, yeah, it understands and puts in the same place. If you think about it, it's putting it in the same place in its brain, if you like, uh, an image of a rabbit to the way that you would describe a rabbit. So just like we do, we often recall the image at the same time and in the same way, effortless, effortlessly as a word. Um, so and soon there's going to be video. There's already a, a sort of spoken language as well. Um, and so you should see that as a progression. But the multimodal is, is one of the reasons why it's a good time now for people to sort of jump in because we've only, if you like, got two modes. And so uh, and so as those proliferate, if you understand the principle that you can either prime it or prompt it, if you like, with an image to get started uh, or with language, whichever works for you, then then you can just get going straight away. Yes. Yeah, so one of the examples you give is a uh, an, an image of a barn in Cumbria, a dilapidated barn, um, <laughs> uh, and you use the generative AI uh, capability to create a description of, of that barn in terms of its features and, and so on. Um, and then I've seen you sort of build up over weeks with that one sort of project idea uh, where you then said, right, we want to do a refurbishment of this barn or, or actually some terrace buildings, I think you used uh, in that later example. Uh, and you've got a scope of work uh, from that, which is, uh, you know, basing on an image, you've, you've got the description, you now say, right, the next step is we want to do a refurbishment project. Can you give me a list of things we would typically do on a refurbishment project? Um, so what prompted you to sort of play with those sorts of of ideas and 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 sort of explain the iterations you've done with that since. Um, yeah, and I think that's a great place to start. Is I mean, I would start um, if I was starting now. Um, uh, I would start either with an image or with a text. But the, the trick is, I think, to ask the question as directly as possible and don't uh, talk down to it. <laughs> In the sense of uh, ask a difficult question, and then if it struggles with that, then maybe ask an easier question. Because what you'll find is that, that actually it knows as well as you actually what you're asking. So in other words, if if you're trying to say refurbish a barn, um, then don't say please describe the barn or please uh, do do this or that with the barn. Um, just ask for the whole project if you like, right? Yeah. And, and see how much it will do. And I think so. So it's almost for me it's a more general point of how to engage with these things is 
is we're still we're still in year zero, if you like, when it comes to some of some of these things uh, in general release, um, and the capabilities are just going to continue to get much much more powerful. And so the main thing to unlock is just to learn is to learn that you need to keep uh, just keep being ambitious for it, right? Yeah. Uh, and then as the new capabilities, which be which will be a bit even bigger, arrive, then you're then you've got the right mindset. So. I'll even go back very briefly to, to actually 11 months ago, and I'm going to rerun this pr um, prompt. 11 months ago, I asked it to, uh, when ChatGPT sort of just released, I actually asked it to run a project for me uh, to, to, to create some uh, some railway track from Sedba to, to Kendall. Uh, mm -hmm. And so to run it, and I'll give it a, an account code, and, and I was its employee, and just crack on and, and deliver the project. And it kind of struggled. It made some good progress, but it kept on reverting to me. And that was 11 months ago. Right. And um, so I think for me, you start with that question and then you expect mm -hmm. that it probably won't manage to do it all. I'm going to rerun it in on its on its one year anniversary and see how it does. And I'll run it again in a year's time. But I think at high level, um, that's the kind of level you should be doing it. And luckily, um, if you're a key person in projects, you're probably very good at specifying work and giving instructions and writing scope. So you're perfectly uh, positioned already to, to bring that into actually talking and instructing uh, at the right level. It's just don't make the mistake of, of just starting with, you know, I, I want you to do this, this small bit of scope yeah. here. And I, mean, I remember that post from, uh, you know, from 11 months ago, because it was December 2022, if we, uh, uh, want to put a timestamp on it was when yeah. ChatGPT or OpenAI launched ChatGPT on a on an open basis, so for the public, so to speak. And uh, I think that's when I first saw some of your posts exploring in a way that was a bit more structured and um, inquisitive in in terms of what you're looking to get from it. But I remember that the post in terms of it it was thinking about route selection, it was flagging up, you know, planning and consents challenges, it was flagging up uh you know interfaces and I, I thought it was it was quite a considered response although it did struggle to say i'm now going to take it forward um but yeah, it was uh, some of the things that came out i thought were, were were reasonable in terms of giving you that starter to to think about and likewise with your barn refurbishment um what i saw through some iterations you started off with this scope statement you then refined it you then got a work breakdown structure you, you then refined it you then asked it for some estimates and one of the things I saw that's fascinated me you said assume this project is in Manchester or somewhere I can't remember where you said it was going to be um, and you got a three-point estimate based upon typical cost of work you know from that area and, and you, you know your view was that a reasonable um, you know, did you try and benchmark what yeah, came that back was from it? That was pushing it I mean so, so the thing on that one was you know I would give it like sort of three out of ten for that one but right. again, I think the point is, is, is it for, for any given capability, um, I mean, obviously, there's some capabilities it will never achieve. But I think the point is, for any given capability that you think you can't do yet, if you like, just just wait three months, right, and, and play with the capability that it's got. So on that one, um, what it did is, because it can now browse the internet, so it can look up costs, right? And so it did that, uh, and it actually went and looked for, uh, you know, different sort of costs on the internet for Manchester. But as you can imagine, if we spent 20 minutes doing that, we would end up with some highly indifferent, <laughs> mm. 
uh, uh, values ourselves. But the point is, is that it could do that um, and that it did try to improve that estimate. But in terms of its capability now for that particular bit, I give that a three out of 10. But then this is where I think people often don't want to use it because they think, oh, it can't do this and it can't do that. And I think if you've got a, a mental log, if you like, on any given month of, uh, yeah, if, if I asked you to do this, it would be a seven out of 10 at the moment, or that's a nine out of 10, then then you'll be able to sort of turbocharge your organisation uh, in terms of actually asking the right questions of your team and allowing them to use these sort of large language models mm. uh, in the right way, whilst also not shutting off like the near the near future, right? So. Yeah, and in terms of those, you know, that three out of ten for estimates. So I guess uh, the cost estimators listening into this uh, uh, podcast <laughs> will be relieved that uh, you know they're only three out of ten. But but actually, it would still require a cost estimator, someone who's knowledgeable in cost estimating, to be asking the questions and uh, and sort of validating the results that, that come back or, or yeah. uh, using their own experience on, on top of it. And um, it's interesting because when ChatGPT was first launched, it was trained only up until 2020, if I recall from the launch. Uh, announcements and, uh, and and it didn't have access to the internet. So that's something that's been turned on relatively recently. And I don't think many people are, are aware that, you know, ChatGPT does now access the internet. So that's sort of stepped it up a level, isn't it, in terms of its its value? Absolutely. So there are actually um, sort of three related developments in that area, actually. So the first one is, is it's moved from a training set of, I can't remember, I think it's January 2021 or something like that um, would be the last one it did. In the last month or so, it's moved up to being uh, its training set is now reflective of April 2023. So even if it doesn't browse, then uh, then then you get the benefits of that. Um, the second thing is, is that as in the last couple of weeks, you don't need to specify which which clever capabilities you're going to ask of it. So in other words, you don't need to say I'm going to use your data analytics or I'm going to use your images or I'm going to use your browsing. You just give you just give the LLM a problem and it will choose the tool um, that it seems most appropriate. Uh, and then the and then the last thing um, about sort of, is, as you say, is that you can add documents that are completely contemporary, if you like. So, for example, back to your example, if you have if you know if you're a surveyor and you've got a table of costs, then you can just upload that that document and, and it will look up that table of costs. So I think, again, it's just understanding this thing as essentially a, like think of it as like a prototype agent um, with knowledge and and, it, and you can give it more knowledge that's contextual. Right. Yeah. And it has access to tools and it and it also increasingly and this is one to worry about less, but it's got a- access to actions. So it can actually um, call on sort of other sort of programming APIs for other services and do that. But that's something that's a bit harder to yeah. And in, and in terms of that access to the Internet, and this is a part of the challenge, and I know with, um, you know, some of our members, um, you know, calling for data trusts and so on. But, you know, accessing what's out there in the World Wide Web, so to speak, lots of the interesting things are behind firewalls or paywalls. So it's only really finding out what's in the public domain rather than those things that, you know, organisations such as the, you know, the, the data providers, uh, you know, and the sort of data intermediaries would be keeping behind, you know, quite rightly behind some paywalls or, or firewalls. Yeah. So this is where if you were using it in your own organisation, you could uh, point it to or give it access to your own 
uh, information. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, obviously, the, the big proviso, uh, and again, this comes into the emerging capabilities thing of of, of being highly aware of uh, when it doesn't do something uh, yet fully to your satisfaction, but keeping on watching it until it does. Right. So so it's been an ongoing issue about sort of what do you do with confidential data? Um, and obviously, as a company, you need to assure yourself of that. And there are limitations with that. So, you know, so you need to do your homework if you're uploading anything confidential, anything sort of GDPR and that kind of thing. But there are a whole number of workarounds and OpenAI is very conscious of it and that kind of thing. But if, if for example, you're starting with some of your own data uh, on a public project and it's something that it's sort of uh, safe to try, maybe because it's been released, an example would be, you know, what you could do as a play, right, is you could go to something like the High Speed 2 publications, okay, and like sort of every every month you see 20 or 30 different publications coming out, meeting minutes, um, surveys, et cetera, et cetera. That's a great place to start because you, you're uploading stuff that's public, but it, it's got everything you need, if you like, about the project definition to then really understand those capabilities. So, so that's where I'd start. Another thing to say is, is I think, I think obviously the data bit is very, very important. Um, but I think there's two things to say about it. I think the first thing is to say that at the moment, I think that micro data, if you like, is underrated. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that is that we've all got little bits of data, if you like, that are highly specific to a particular use case that we're doing, but you just might not think of it as data, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, that micro data will be very powerful to actually give uh, enough context for a question and also will probably have less sort of confidentiality questions around it because maybe it's just, you know, your task list for the last three weeks and, and, and you're just using acronyms or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But then the other, the other bit around this is that one of the key capabilities at a high level that this, is, that this whole wave, is, if you like, is bringing in is that knowledge right as opposed to data or complementary to data is something that it's it's bringing in and it's making far more accessible um and knowledge which is if you like being based upon data in the past and organized etc cetera, etc cetera, it has got access to to great knowledge so for example you know chat gpt is a much greater much better sort of ME engineer than me it's a much better anything than me right except for in two or three different things because if you think about all of the kind of books and the papers and the research papers it knows, um, mm -hmm. uh, then in most contexts, uh, it has better knowledge than you. And therefore, you should you can often lean on the knowledge rather than on the data. Yes. Yeah. So it's a bit like in any team where you've got that one very knowledgeable person in your team on a particular topic. You would go and talk to them, wouldn't you? So, so it's exactly the same. It's just, It's pulling on the you know, the, the different talents you might have in your team and you just think, OK, it's an expert in something I'm not, uh, you know, go, go and consult and get get some advice. Um, just want to pull up, pull up on a, a couple of other things. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the things I've been seeing is I, I saw the, the launch of GPT-4, that the video for, for anyone wants to just go on YouTube and it was doing someone's tax return uh, and, uh, and and it loaded in. It was U.S. Um, launch so it was u.s tax law but it loaded in ten thousand pages of uh, the latest u.s tax legislation and, and guidance uh, and then gave it a fictitious couple that were doing their tax return they just sold a property and viewers had some capital gains and so on uh, and he got it spot on and it was really interesting because it doesn't actually have a maths engine so it was <laughs> it was uh, 
um, you know, producing numbers based upon what it would expect those numbers to be. It was fascinating, which is how humans do do maths in in many many uh, respects. But but what got me thinking about that is that we could be doing the same for things like engineering standards or planning national planning planning policies or uh, or, or whatever it might be. But we could give the things that our project needs to work to the sort of the you know the, the the legislation, the guidance, the policies. We could be loading that up uh, or, or giving it, uh, and then saying when we're planning our project or when we're uh, doing our schedules or when we're doing our scope or our estimates, whatever we want, we might be asking of it to make sure that it's consistent with those uh, policies or or guidance or rules that we need to apply. I I, I think that's that's a really powerful sort of use case um, for the for the medium term. And I think you, you, you mustn't underrate that. Um, I think on particular projects and programs, I think that's too early to to rely on that. Um, right. Uh, so it's sort of it's, it's it's heading in that direction, but we're not there yet on on those. I think. Well, I, I, my personal opinion is is actually pretty good at it, but that you can't and shouldn't rely on it um, as as a practitioner yourself. I think I, the way I think of it is at the moment it's mostly acts like an enthusiastic intern, right? So it's like a fresh graduate knows everything, full of confidence, okay, will quite happily sort of uh, go through that and will always come up with the first answer, right? So that's the way in which you should you should treat it and you should learn the capabilities. By so I absolutely agree you should be asking questions of regulator. Um, you know, you should upload regulations and ask it questions and see how well it does. But you need yourself to get comfortable with actually what that does. And and what you'll find is is, is it will like portray regulations in a way that you hadn't thought of because it's almost inherently multidisciplinary because it, it understands every discipline. So it's much better at kind of like say for example you've got project regulations and you've got sector regulations like nuclear um, and let's say you've got sort of technology and you're trying to think about some something at the intersection of those three it's probably better than you at most of it for the first answer at an intersection of those three um, domains mm. but for then the, the the real answer you'll need to either be yourself an expert you need to know where to lead it um, yeah uh, so, so I love that description you just gave sort of an enthusiastic intern or, or graduate actually perhaps there's a bit of naivety in there as well so it's the uh, it's got the knowledge but not the experiences I well you have what you're to saying. Yeah, yeah and it's exactly and you have to understand the way um, that, that these products are being positioned uh, for you as a user. Um, uh, firstly, so there's obviously um, the, the thing gets trained on, on all of these uh, documents and that kind of thing. And then it obviously it has this reinforcement learning with human feedback, RLHF it's called, uh, where basically um, sort of developers score answers and then, mm -hmm. and then try and get it to like uh, give more of the of the answers that a, that a human would prefer. So you have to understand that that's part of what's going on and there are weaknesses around that which is still a lot of them being ironed out but fundamentally it will want to please you right uh, and also because it's being trained on if you like sort of uh, you know sort of history and our behaviors etc cetera, etc cetera, it will often double down for example right so yeah. if you so a simple way of thinking of an example is here is if you ask it straight away for its opinion and then ask it to back it up and say what are the reasons why you should take that opinion right 
that is normally not the right way to do it because what mm -hmm. it will do is it will come up with a reasonably good answer but it may well be wrong right because it was just like all of us right and then when you ask it well why do you say that it will then ratchet rat, can't say it but ratchet it will give it will give reason good plausible reasons for why it yeah that whereas but providing an argument rather than a uh, a, a check so, and so, and so, so what you should do, and, and I think so what you should do is you first say, right, think about this and then and then sort of, you know, what will be some plausible arguments, et cetera, et cetera. And then build up to, if you like, the big takeaway. Right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, and and then you know why it thinks what it thinks. Yeah, um, it's interesting that I've seen some of your posts, Lawrence, where um, you, you, you publish the, the scripts and the prompts that you're yeah. using. Uh, and what I quite often see is you say, please check your answer um, uh, or, or can you give me another perspective? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's then building up. So you get that sort of, you know, some, some alternatives coming through that the human in the loop um, can sort of take away and make a make a decision on. Um, the other things I've been seeing it being used for is it, it's, it can generate code um, because code is just another language. And we, often we think of whether that code could be Python or programming code. But. But things like Microsoft Excel, you know, formulas are code. Um, yep. Even you know, the in, in Power BI and the dashboards that, you know, some of our, you know, uh, members, you know, project professionals and controls folk will, will be using. That's a form of code. Um, so, you know, and I think that's something where from a productivity perspective, if rather than trying to look things up or saying, how can I do this? But being able to give a natural language description, this is a formula I would like. Can you give me that formula? And you get it, um, I think, is, a, is another powerful thing that we're perhaps underusing in our sort of ev everyday use of the, the tools that we've got available to us. Exactly right. And I think, I mean, it's coding in the broader sense. So, for example, if you've got a language, uh, a formal language, like a planning language, there's PDF in the project space. There's something like PDDL, for example, which is a planning language. Mm -hmm. um, there are ontologies, there are building construction ontologies that, that you can you can take different bits of BIM, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and you can give it that you can give it a document which defines that ontology, for example. And then you can ask it, um, you can give it depict the situation and ask it to describe it in that language. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's, you're exactly right. It's coding in the, in the very broadest of sense, in the sense that many of the things that we do, um, certainly as teams, is essentially could be seen as code. Mm -hmm. um, we just don't think of it um, as that, you know, sort of preparing a schedule in many ways is a series of, is a series of instructions in a sort of semi-formal language. So, that, you know, and, and as far as it's concerned, that's that's code. That's so, code, yeah. So specifically, the thing you can do right at the start, right, is you can ask it for code or ask it to tell you explain code. So you can copy some code in or you can ask it to generate some code and then you can copy that code uh, as a starter and, and copy it into, as you say, like an Excel form. You can ask it to give you an Excel formula and then copy it into Excel. So that's, if you like, stage one of what you can do. The other thing that you can do, if you have ChatGPT Plus, um, which unfortunately, <laughs> just this morning, Sam Altman has temporarily switched off new subscriptions, to, but it will only be temporary. But I think it's temporary. Got yeah, over. I was going to ask that. So uh, when uh, it was launched in December 2022, it was free yes. to, um, to 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 register for. It was I can't remember the the caveat that it was called. It was effectively a beta product, wasn't it? It wasn't a, yes. a full launch. Now it's is it twenty dollars a month or something like that? It's for twenty dollars a month. If, 
if you're in the UK, it, it sort of works out around sort of £20 um, sort of with VAT and, and, and things like that. Um, but when Sam Altman brings it back on because the load juices, I, I do recommend using it because at the moment you're restricted to, I think use the free model. Um, free model is brilliant. Um, and I think it's 3.5 turbo is the model, I, th I think, um, at the moment and that kind of thing. And, and again, just push it on, on the questions. And then if you like, when you have time or interest, uh, move over to, to ChatGPT Plus because um, the model is much better. Mm -hmm. um, and you can try it just for a month or two. You can just have, you know, just, you know, tr try it for a month and see if, if you yep. use it. And it's not just a better model. I think there's more features. Is that right? In terms of the yes. amount of data you can upload to it, um, the, 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 and, the size of the code you can put in or the, the number of characters in the prompt window is it's great. Is no, that right? Exactly that. And so, so let's just go back to where we started talking about this was was around how you might use code as an example, as a possible kind of use case. Um, so if you had ChatGPT Plus, for example, then there's what's called a code interpreter module. Um, that's now inherent to it, so you don't need to tell it. But what that does, it won't just give you a code block, or, you know, or a list of code. It will interpret, um, which is essentially running that code. So it can mm -hmm. run that code in its own code environment, and then give you an answer, which will often be a chart, or uh, you know, or a number, et cetera, et cetera. And that is one of the things you get with ChatGPT Plus. Um, you get the ability to upload images and files. And again, as you were saying earlier, in the, because it's a conversation, um, you can upload those during the course of the conversation. Yeah. And and is it also you, you can give it a persona, can't you? Um, so you can say, you know, for, for this interaction, assume you're a, a project professional or assume you're an architect or assume you're a civil engineer or, or whatever. So you can give it a, a persona so that the answers that come back are the answers that someone of that persona it would like to give. Exactly. And then you can do that to start with. The easiest way of doing that is just to do that in the prompt. Um, right. Uh, and then what you find is if you always if you always find yourself, for example, saying, um, you know, uh, re explain your answer or uh, do it as a project manager or how whatever it is you normally. If you say that two thirds of the time, then there's in the settings, there's something called custom instructions. Um, and then what you can do is 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 you can add all of the kind of ways you would normally like it to answer. So, for example, I I, I tell it to be brief and, and I, if I've got questions, I'll get back to it rather than to tell me and give me all the warnings. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. it, it's, it's, um, uh, sometimes it gives you lots of warnings and that kind of thing. And so what that essentially does is, is those custom instructions um, are essentially um, added onto the prompt that you always give. So it always sees your particular question and then it always thinks of it in the context of those okay that's brilliant well. so uh Lawrence, i feel that um sort of like a bbc broadcast that for fear this is sort of coming across as product placement for uh, uh for, for open ai <laughs> yes, right. uh, yes. with the chat yeah. gpt there are alternatives there are many others uh, out there and um, we've got obviously microsoft launched copilot which is not quite the same but it's it's equivalent but it's sort of embedded within the microsoft suite we've got bard and we've got various others aren't there right. so so yeah. the, so the things we've been describing around chat gpt those features are generally equivalent in these other uh, large language models uh, as well but obviously gpt's you know sort of got the early move advantage and uh, seems to be the one that most of us are are using or, or playing with 
Is that a fair that, reflection? That's, that's very fair. It's, it, it's, it's a good point. It, it's just it's almost like it is a better model in many ways, but there are bits where where other models are, are better. But it's it's often in terms of the, the user interface, it's often just quicker and better to to, to get you going on that. But yep. then I, absolutely, I would encourage people then to try Google Bard um, to use the uh, OpenAI version within uh, within Bing to use any any sort of Microsoft sort of co-pilot type functionality um, uh, to go to Claude to go to Perplexity AI, um, AI, which is another one which like sort of packages it up, et cetera, et cetera. And there are also a lot of open source models um, like, like Llama 2 uh, and Falcon, et cetera, et cetera. And those, those tend to need a little, this is going to go very quickly, but at the moment you need a little bit of coding experience just to, just to get those going. But that will fall away and people will provide that very, very quickly. So you do have open source alternatives which are very powerful um, and also have the advantage for some of the open source models that you actually know what it's being trained on hmm. um, that kind of thing yeah and, and i think you're right about i mean for, for many of us eventually it won't be just a choice of using one or another we'll be using you know potentially multiple or even all all of them and i i had a quick uh, look at the the co-pilot and the coming back to the natural language being able to uh, just put into a into a prompt. I would like a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> that covers this, uh, and it will knock up 80% of what you want to get in terms of structure and image yeah. and and flow. And then you just add in some specifics. You know, I, I'm just thinking, you know, for, you know, those people that are regularly, you know, facilitating workshops or giving presentations or using PowerPoint or, or other slides as a as a form of communication you know productivity is going to shoot up uh, um, in terms of you know the time it takes to uh, to produce those because ultimately we just want to focus on the message and the content not not on how to build the, yeah, the, the slide so deck I, which is so i think i don't echo what you're saying now i think so the way i would i would say it is is that it doesn't matter which one you start with the point is is that is, is the play with one that works for you and that you enjoy working with um, and that you'll naturally open up just like if you naturally sometimes some people go always start in, in Outlook in the morning or they always mm -hmm. start um, they always open up their document or some people will open up their Excel right so so what you want is to have something which d doesn't interrupt your flow and you want to be mm -hmm. in that app ideally for you know sort of one two three hours or whatever um, and so once you understand large language models as capability you'll see them everywhere increasingly including in your favorite app and so yeah. it's just that familiarity and so if i was in word and uh, and i had sort of a co-pilot switched on then i wouldn't go out of the app what i would do is i would use the facility in there because now i know how valuable it's embedded within the within the app yes exactly. so yeah. i get it so right um I'm looking at the time and yes. uh, we like to keep this around about 30 minutes, but the, the topic's so uh, fascinating. We, we've run over a, a, a bit. Um, just, just last week, I think it's a week ago, but but maybe just a little bit longer than a week ago, um, if I've got this term right, ChatGPT or OpenAPI um, launched uh, assistance with its um, yes. uh, yes. ChatGPT. Uh, and again, if I, if I can do my lay person's description of this and then you correct me if i'm wrong but but essentially it means we can add or we can create our own flavor 
uh, of of a GPT specific to uh, a type, whether that is you know uh, an estimating GPT or whether that is a scheduling one, or, or I've seen one recently around helping people pass the the, the APM's um, Chartered Project Professional. Um, so so it will come up with the prompts and the uh, the advice needed to put your submission in and to go through the uh, the, the process within that week. Uh, I did a quick look. There's something like 50 or so project-related ones that have come out. Am I right in describing what that assistance does, or do you want to come back in and just correct me? Absolutely. I think I think just for people like sort of like sort of new into it, um, so you, so you don't get lost. The, 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 the first thing to do is if you don't if you haven't done any of this, I would just start with straightforward ChatGPT or Google Bard or whatever. And don't worry about. And what you're describing is. They are assistants, but they're, they're the kind of key name for them at the moment is GPTs. Okay, so and they're kind of like they're like early agents. So they're not calling them agents. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, agents as things that kind of can act in the world because then they can't really do that that fully yet. Um, so what you what you'd be looking for is sort of GPT a GPT builder or kind of soon there'll be an app store for GPTs. Which now now the, the caveat. And the reason why to start with is just basic prompts and things just for the first week or so is firstly because you can only access those GPTs at the moment through chat GPT plus. And so just because Sam Altman shut it down temporarily, um, you're either already in the ecosystem and you understand what you're doing and you'll be able yeah. to access those or you'll just get set up for disappointment in the next week. Um, and and if you start by going with the GPTs, but you need to understand that the GPTs are there, and and that, and that those, and that's just increasingly a way of packaging up um, knowledge, um, and action, uh, all to, and tools all together. So that's the way that they characterised it on their on their and, dev day. And from what I've seen, is people are putting you know a, a, a you know a a suite of sort of documentation and knowledge in there and giving it a label to say it's now set up for this, you know, sub, you know so um, what you narrow sort of application. Is so that right? So a lot, right? So, what you, I mean, it's really early days. So, again, it's, if you think of it as being, it's got it's got this LLM, but it's got these three extra things. So, it's got it's got access to tools. So, you, you can, when you create one of these, you'll say, well, yeah, you can use an image creator or you can use the code interpreter, et cetera, et cetera. So, it's got access to the tools. That's number one. Number two, it's got access to knowledge, which is what you're referring to. And right. you can upload up to 20 documents. And some of those documents can be hundreds of megabytes. I, I think the limit is something like 0.1 gigabytes, some very, very large limit. Um, so you can make some very large documents in this. So it's got access to knowledge. But the third bit that's a bit been a bit underplayed up to now is instructions. Right. So um, in, in the sense that if which is essentially a series of prompts, if you like, um, that, that you can put in. So if, if you know if you've on your, if on the kind of plain vanilla sort of LLM that you've been using, you've learned how to prompt it to get a certain result. Um, which will often involve domain experience, right? So if you're a, a scheduler, you know what the sequence of steps is, then you can package that up and, you, and people have packaged that up in the GPT and said, you do this and then this and then this and then this. And then the GPT will just walk through those steps. So if I'm transport for London, network rail, high speed two, or you know, one of these sort of uh, 
um, you know, projects organization where I've got, yeah. you know, whether it's grip or pathway, but yes. their project management method. So. Um, so that could be uploaded as long as it would fit within that sort of 20 document uh, limit, which probably so most wouldn't you definitely today. Would. You grip would. Yeah. You find a way of getting grip. You find a way of sort of um, add, putting all the PDFs exactly. documents together into one large exactly. PDF and put it up. So, so you could get your project methodology uh, into into this assistant. And then instructions could be for preparing for one of the stage gates, for example, because, you know, there's four things you need to do, whether it's going through your assurance review board, your commercial review board or, or whatever, preparing you for a stage gate. Because and, and that's the thing, I think and this is why the early GPTs at the moment, because it's um, a lot of the GPTs you're seeing are knowledge focused, which is great. But what people have done is essentially they just uploaded some documents in an area and said, like, sort of go for it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, so, which is good. But what you'll find is the GPTs will start to get more nuanced. Um, and so, if, if if you, for example, put up grip, um, then if you just put up grip and 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 just do that, then the user still has to kind of struggle through if they're not familiar with prompting these things as to well, what am I going to do with it? Because otherwise, you just end up. So, so what if someone is, for example, always putting through like ten projects a month through through grip and setting up the boards then they know the steps that they take so they might say sort of go to step one um, assemble the documentation ask the user to upload the project brief etc etc review that as per uh, this section right mm -hmm. etc et it's incredibly powerful because you can essentially um, sort of walk walk someone through a large corpus of knowledge but because you're a domain expert, you know how to traverse it. Yeah, right. fascinating. So there's sort of concept of a peer review. We might be changing who we think of as a peer in, in those things. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, from some of the examples I've seen, they're, they're sort of a bit trivialised in terms of what's been uploaded and you've just been sort of uh, you, you know, left to sort of muddle through. But but I think with some proper design and, and you know, thinking it through, uh, it feels that we're on the cusp of something quite brilliant really in terms of you know uh, as a as a methodologist someone that spent 20 odd years you know developing and putting methods and frameworks into organizations you know my mind's now racing away of all the possibilities of how you could not do that <laughs> the alternative to creating all those documents in the first place i think we are yeah. on, a, on a point of change right lawrence we're out of time so um this is fascinating so what i would like to do is to invite you back perhaps in three months time after you've done your <laughs> one year anniversary of uh, of the railway to, um, to where was it from, uh, from to, to Sedba. <laughs> right okay we'll see how no, that gets on next time around um, yeah yeah and, and I'm sure if we do three months time we'll we'll be talking about things we can't even imagine at this point in time <laughs> that will be released and that we weren't expecting so um, uh, brilliant thank you very much and uh, well, uh, look forward to catching up with you at some point soon thanks Andy great to speak Thank you. And thank you to everyone listening to us today. And uh, if you want to know more, there are events in our events programme, both fringe and seminars on the topic of uh, project data and analytics. So go onto the website, have a look and please register. Thank you.